0: This episode of the Gospel Coalition podcast is sponsored by the Christian Standard Bible, a translation faithful to the Bible's original languages without sacrificing clarity. With its optimal blend of accuracy and readability, the CSB is ideal for the church. Learn more at csbible.com. This is the Gospel Coalition podcast, where we seek to renew the contemporary church in the ancient gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Colin Hansen. Today's podcast is a roundtable discussion with Kevin DeYoung, Daryl Williamson, and Danny Akin on what complementarians all agree on and what disagreements are found within the position.
1: Evangelicals came together, in particular, uh, John Piper and Wayne Grudem kind of spearheaded what is known as the Denver Statement on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. And it was certainly responding to, and even I guess you could say reacting to drifts theologically that were trying to wash out uh, differences between men and women, Mm -hmm. not only in terms of what they do, but even who they are. And so the statement was formulated, and I think it's very biblically faithful and theologically rich, and it emphasizes very strongly that men and women equally bear the image of God, and yet God has different assignments for men and women in particular uh, in the home and in the church. And then from there, there are a number of uh, practical um, observations that are made as to how this would flesh itself out. Uh, But that's the genesis, I think, of what we know today as the complementarian uh, movement and a complementarian theology.
2: Yeah, and and Daryl, how would you understand if you were going to a church and the church somewhere said, you know, we're complementarian, Mm -hmm. what would you expect? to find their, in their theology or the way they do things? Sure. What are some of the common denominators?
3: I think the, the first thing, of course, is just um, the, the understanding that God has created men and women equally, uh, that we are the same before Him, that we have the same, uh, this is called a spiritual rank and privilege. Uh, we all have um, possessed the Spirit in our hearts because He indwells us. We all have the same uh, experience of being redeemed. Uh, we're the same before the Lord. Uh, I think where we uh, would clarify, what we would clarify is that uh, God has, in fact, created men and women uh, differently. They have a different mission. Uh, they have a different role. Uh, husbands are to lead in the family. It doesn't mean that women can't lead. It doesn't mean that that, that, that they aren't gifted to lead. It just means that in God's economy, men are called uh, to lead in the family. The same is true in the church, is that the pastoral authority, biblically, belongs to men. Now, we don't, again, doubt women's ability to teach or to lead. The giftedness can be the same, but God has his way, and uh, and he has called men to exercise uh, pastoral authority in the church. So,
2: leadership in the in the home mm-hmm. and in the church are sort of the, the sine qua non of complementarianism. So, flesh that out a little bit. So, Ephesians 5, so that the 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 wife submits to the to the husband, and we'd want to put all the necessary guardrails on that what kind of submission we're mm-hmm. talking about. it's a it's a gracious, thoughtful mm-hmm. submission. Uh, I always say it it's a submission freely given, never a submission forcibly taken because it's not the husband saying you must submit. it's the wife freely giving that, and the husband laying down his mm-hmm. life in that leadership yes. and and then and then in the church. What what does that mean? What what should complementarians agree on? What are some of the things that we would say that is an assignment or a role or an office that God has given to qualified men?
1: Well, as Daryl said a moment ago, when it comes to the office of the elder, the pastor, the overseer, whatever terminology you use, and all of those are found in the Bible, that is an office restricted to men. Uh, it is not, again, a sign that women are inferior. It is simply God's ordained, established government for the church. So uh, a woman can do many things in the church, but she could not serve in the position of the elder because the scriptures are quite clear that office is uh, an office that God has restricted mm-hmm. to men.
2: So we're talking about office. What? Mm-hmm. So I, I think we kind of have some sense of what complementarianism should be, mean at its base level about the family, about the home, about the office of pastor, elder, overseer. So what are things that we disagree on? We may even, you know, disagree on the things we can disagree on or or agree on. (laughs) So I would say, and just see if this sticks on the wall with you guys, I would say, First Timothy two, that the woman should not teach or have authority over man. I would say that's not only about an office, but it's about a function. And so Um, while I might have a a woman share an announcement on Sunday or, you know, a woman on the praise team might Mm -hmm. read a scripture or say a prayer and brothers would disagree even with that. I would not have a a woman preach in in my church, even if I said she was under the authority of the elders. Mm -hmm. And we would think too about Sunday school classes, just thinking, okay, is this a, 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 is a, is a couple facilitating a class? Is it a mixed Sunday school class? What are the ages? We, would, you know, we wouldn't just say, here's a class on Romans during the Sunday school hour and one of the women is teaching it. Where do you guys draw the lines and do you have brothers who draw it in some different places?
3: I, I think what you just described is a, a great place where disagreement emerges. Yeah. Um, I think there, there, there are some brothers who feel like faithfulness to Scripture would be that women would never teach Uh, in an environment where men are receiving. And then there are others, uh, and I think I tend to be in this camp, that uh, there are times when leadership may feel that uh, a woman's voice needs to be heard, whether it's something major or something small. And so, for example, I'd said years ago, uh, when Elizabeth Elliot was still alive, Mm -hmm. that if she was in town and she came to our church, we would love for her to share with our fellowship on a Sunday morning. I could not imagine not wanting to allow that to happen. And, uh, and so I think there are very there are very clear places where we can we can see things in a very nuanced way um, differently, and I think it's important for us to uh, not to, to to wrestle around those things, but to discuss. Um, since we're fallen,
2: right.
3: we have this this tendency to build walls. So it's just kind of what we do. It's just kind of we we like to to stand strongly on our principles and push away everything that's not fully align with those. And I think that if we aren't careful, we can marginalize uh, women. Uh, We can put them in a place where they're not being developed, they're not being equipped. uh, They don't feel uh, valued in their giftedness. And in some cases, their calling, um, without violating, of course, the exegetical guidelines that we have, that they should not function as an authority over over men. What I would say, building
1: what Darrell is, consistently, the teaching has to be by men there may be exceptional occasions. And this is where I think 1 Corinthians 11 has to be dealt with. I don't think, uh, guys, uh, all complementarians deal with 1 Corinthians 11 very well, where it says that under authority, a woman may pray and prophesy. Now, what does prophesy mean? We we need to have another session for that. But obviously, she was speaking in some form when the church came together. But it would not be normative. It would not be, yes, a woman is standing up week after week, exegeting the scriptures, doing biblical exposition before the whole congregation. No, I think the scriptures rule that out. But I do think there could be those occasions they're not the norm. I think 1 Corinthians 11 even indicates it's not the norm. Where a woman may have a role like Elizabeth Elliot coming in or another woman in your church that speaks to a specific kind of situation or issue, but she's not up there week after week after week after week. That position God has in his, the divine economy restricted to men.
2: So I don't need to get the last word, but I think we see here, even, even among the three of us, some very shared principles and convictions mm-hmm. and some yes. ways of flesh out in churches would be a little bit different. You know, I if, if we were the three pastors, I'd say, okay, let's talk about that Elizabeth Elliott situation. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out, and then may approach it a little differently. I think maybe the last thing just to to leave us with is that there's kind of two impulses that different men will feel, and both of them are right, and we just need to understand that we feel them in different ways. One is sometimes there's a sense of we have to guard. We have to guard Mm -hmm. against the culture pressing in, and then there are other people saying, yes, but we need to guard against our tendency to, you know, ignore the gifts of women or not treat women as sisters in Christ Mm -hmm. as they ought to be. And both of those are necessary impulses to guard against error and at the same time be sensitive that, hey, there's an overreaction here Mm -hmm. that's not helpful either. And in that space of trying to get those two things rooted in Scripture, we're going to sometimes agree and sometimes have some disagreements.
0: You've been listening to the Gospel Coalition podcast. For more gospel-centered resources, visit thegospelcoalition.org. Support for this podcast comes from listeners like you. Learn more and join us at tgc.org donate.